Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis. And while you're turning, can we here at Lakeland just welcome everyone who is watching at our Highland campus as well? We love you guys so much. Uh, Hopefully we'll get a chance to see you real soon. But even today, while you're looking at me, we have the opportunity to to see you. And so it's good to see you guys. Uh, We love you so much. And I know you had a wonderful worship segment. Uh, How many of you are thankful for our worship team here at the Lakeland campus as well? I want to be Minister Harvey when I grow up. Like the, the guy who was leading those first couple of songs, that his name is Harvey. Wouldn't you just love to sing like that? If you could sing like that, wouldn't you like order every meal like that? Like just sing out the order, like lasagna, but sing it out when you ordered it, whatever it may be. Like we are so blessed with just amazing, amazing, not just talent, but character here at Word of Life Church at all of our campuses. And we also want to welcome everyone who is watching online and by CBS as well. Can we give it up for everybody who is watching Uh, through those avenues as well. We're actually looking at working with CBS, too, to get that live. Uh, So we'd have to work with some things on their end, but we'll see. Uh, You know, in this day and age where the church is growing through any way it can, uh, we're trying to explore all of those avenues to how to take the church to our city and our state like never before. How many of you believe that what the devil meant for evil, God can turn it around and work it together for our good? Uh, Even like with something as simple as this, you know, on a typical weekend here at this campus, um, pre-COVID, we would run anywhere between 3,800 to 4,200 people. Uh, And just amazing what God has done here. And we'd have highs that'd be more than that and lows that were lower than that, depending on weather Uh, and everything else that kind of comes up. Uh, And then we were also reaching uh, thousands online. And this year, though, God really directed us to get on CBS to expand our online platform even before COVID. And now we'll have weekends where we will reach anywhere between 50 and 100,000 people who watch this broadcast, participate in worship with us from all states and nations. It is amazing what God is doing here at Word of Life Church. And so I just want to encourage you, this too will pass. How many of you know COVID will pass? This too will pass. Uh, And at the end of it, God will take it and, and use it for our good and use it to refine us and use it to just, just completely transform the church, I believe, to reach more people than ever before. But we're glad to have you guys with us wherever you're watching from. And for everyone who is able to make it here to Lakeland, we are certainly glad to see you as well. We're in the book of Genesis today, and we're starting a new series entitled, I Think I Heard From God. I think I heard from God. How many of you remember Circuit City? Anybody remember Circuit City? Circuit City was my spot. Any any of you as teenagers have like a spot, like that's the place where you just went, that's the place where you hung out, Uh, and it could have been like in the parking lot at McDonald's, but that's just, you know, where you, you hung out. That's where your people were, your tribe was, whatever it may be. Circuit City was my spot. 
And I, I'm so thankful for like technology now where like you can get on your phone and build a playlist and not even have to buy the songs. Like you just buy a monthly fee and you can build your playlist out from there. Like I thoroughly enjoy that. But there's a part of me that misses waiting on an album to drop at Circuit City. Like, like waiting to spend a well-earned $14.99. Have you ever figured out why they just throw on like the 99 cents? Like why can't it just be an even 15? Anyway, like, like to get the latest album. And for me, I liked rap and hip hop. I know, <laughs> like you wouldn't guess that. But I was, and I was East Side. So Biggie Smalls, like that was my guy. And all of those types of things. Like I, I wasn't down with the West Side. I was so East Side and Mace and Puff Daddy and oh yeah, I know, I know. Some of you don't think I know, but I know. And like, I, I could not wait to like, you know, go to Circuit City on a Friday night and get that album. I remember one time me and my family, we were watching the Grammys. Now this was, I was a kid, teenager. And we're watching the, the Grammys and my sister, my mom and my dad are all in the, all in the room. And my father is listening to this music and shocked <laughs> by what he is hearing and watching. And he looks at me and my sister, he's like, I wonder what kind of music y'all are listening to. And I'm like, oh, and he's like, let's go see. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So he goes upstairs into our room and thank God he hit Hope's room first. So Hope's room was right at the, the top of the steps so you could get to it faster than you can get to mine. And while he was in Hope's room, I uh, snuck up the stairs, went in my room and went to my hiding place. Uh, I had a hiding place. A any of you, when you were a teenager, have a hiding place? Like, okay, yes, so I know I wasn't alone. If you are a teenager, don't raise your hand right now. Uh, you could give it all away. I'm kidding, raise your hand, we need to know. But no, no, so like I had a hiding place and my hiding place was in the box spring of my, my, my bed. So like you have the mattress and you have the box spring and I figured out that the box spring was hollow but it had planks in the, the box spring that you could kind of, you know, like tear a little tear at the bottom of the box spring and hide anything you'd want on top of those boards that would be there in the box spring. And, and so I, I would go out there and I would, you know, hide anything that I had. So I went and got all my CDs and hid them underneath the box spring and, and put them in the, the box spring of the bed. And my dad never found my CDs and my sister got grounded for a month. Come on. On somebody. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, like Circuit City. The reason why I mentioned Circuit City is because one of my favorite books for business management is a book called Good to Great. And basically, what this book is, it's a study of companies who made the transition between good to great and were great, long lasting, powerful companies companies by which every other company should like model their behavior after because they put in motion principles that made them great. And one of the companies that it makes mention of in this study is a company called Circuit City. And I was reading that book the other day and I, I drove down County Line and I noticed Circuit City is no longer in business. Like the hangout spot I had when I was a teenager is no longer there. And it was written up as one of the greatest companies of its day, something that should be emulated, something that should be studied, 
something that should be written about and something like us, people like us who are running businesses and things like that, should read after and simply do what they did. Now, how can that be? How can you have something that is noted for its wisdom, like, like noted for, written up in, in a book that has gone all over the world now, it's been read by millions of people. How can you have a system that is set up with the world's best principles and practices put in motion, and years after, just a handful of years after it is written about this company, this company is no longer present and no longer thriving. I'll tell you why. It's because of what Adam and Eve did years and years ago in the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's look at this. In Genesis chapter 2, uh, and we'll start with verse number 15, Genesis 2, in verse number 15. If you didn't bring a Bible, it's okay. Uh, it'll be on the screens as well. And if you don't have a Bible at all, I'd love to give you one. You can go by our Welcome Centers out front and just tell them, I'd like a Bible. And we'll have a Bible for you. And of course, you can feel free to use a Bible app. Genesis 2 and verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will not eat of it, for in the day that you eat it, therefore, you will surely die. Now, many people focus on the death part, which <laughs> should be focused on when someone tells you, if you do this, you will die, like you want to pay attention to die, because that seems pretty serious. But a lot of people skip the tree that it was, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Jesus said, or God said, which Jesus is in the Godhead, he said, here's what I want you to know. Of every tree you can eat of in the garden, but there's this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I don't want you eating of this tree for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, what does that mean, the knowledge of good and evil? Before this moment in, in history, man operated solely by revelation. There, there was no leaning on your own understanding. There was only acknowledging God and God directing your paths. There was only Adam walking with God in the cool of the day and knowing things by revelation. There was only God walking with Adam in like sincere, beautiful, sweet, intimate fellowship, spirit to spirit, and having like this beautiful relationship with his people. You, you see, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree, you remember what happened. As soon as they, they ate of the tree, they knew they had done evil. They knew that they had done bad, so what did they do? They went and they clothed themselves with, you know, fake clothes and tried to do the best that they could because they, they knew they had done bad and out of this bad, now they have something they never had before in shame and they start hiding from God and the Bible records that God came down to walk with them, giving the impression that this is what God would always do. Like God would come down and he would just walk and live with man, that in him... They would live and move and have their own being. 
And God comes and he says, look, I don't want you to eat of this tree because when you do, you're going to get the knowledge of good and evil. Now on the surface, that doesn't sound bad because for many of us today, that's all we know and we use it to our advantage, at least we think we do. The knowledge of good and evil, what that simply means is we'll learn by trial and error. We'll learn by experience. So is fire bad? Well, I don't know, let me touch it. I touch it, it's like, oh, it burns, fire is bad. And so we mark off fire is bad until like we begin to cook stuff by it. We cook stuff by it, and it's like, oh wait, fire can be good when used this way, and so we'll use fire this way, and then we'll build principles and laws that says don't use fire this way, because if you use fire this way, it can burn you. And if you use fire this way, it can cook. So the knowledge of good and evil, this way fire is evil, this way fire is good. How do we learn that? Through experience, through information. This is the way man had to live. Now Jesus said, now because you've done this, and the book of Genesis records this, because you've done this, you're gonna have something you did not have before. You're going to have toil. You're going to have struggle. It's going to be hard for you and you will live like I am living now by the sweat of your brow. Like you will live with sweat. In essence, what he's saying is, is you will live trying to make things work and sometimes it will and sometimes it won't. Sometimes you'll do that with one kid and it works for them and you'll do it with another and it doesn't work for them. Sometimes you'll do that, one company will do this here and they take off, but you go to the seminar where they teach the principal, hoping it'll grow your business and you apply it to your business, it's like, it doesn't work and I just wasted $2,000 on a conference and a time that I'll never get back in my life. Trial and error, living by the knowledge of good and evil. This is an incredibly frustrating life because we know even with principles like in good to great, that should be certain. Like, like even in principles that, that literally companies did apply these principles and became so great, a book was written about them that at the end of writing that book, those same principles when they applied, they might not work. Have you ever lived by trial and error before? This happens to, to us all the time. Like me and my wife, uh, we were painting my son's room. And so, you know, you, you go to the store and you, you pick out like, you know, when I say me and my wife were painting my son's room, I should clarify, my wife was painting my son's room uh, because I, I am not good with construction projects. Like, don't ask me. But I know people and that's a powerful place to be when you know people. So my wife was painting the room and I was admiring her work <laughs> while she was painting. And you know, you do your homework and like you go and you look at like, okay, we want this color gray. And we hold up the paint sample and it looks gray. And we get a little thing of the paint and put it on the wall and it looks gray. And so we're, we're trying, you know, we're trying to make it work. And, and we go up there and we, we you know, we, we paint and we, we get the first coat on and we turn on the, the light in the room and we're like, huh, that looks purple. And my wife always accuses me of being colorblind. Do any of you else have, have wives who accuse you of being colorblind as well? She's like, no, you don't. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's purple, babe. Like, I'm, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it is purple. She's like, no, I think it's gray. I'm like, mm -hmm. 
I'm pretty sure it's purple. So I'm like, kids, come in here. Without, without us telling you what we see, what do you see? What color does this wall look like? And without fail, they all said purple. I'm like, who's colorblind now? I'm like, you need the colorblind glasses, not this guy. So, but my point is, is we tried and we used the best information we could have. Like we had the little sample, it looked gray. We put the sample on the wall, it looked gray. But even through trying with the best information that we had, it still failed. And we had to repaint, we, she had to repaint the room again. So, you know, it, 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 we tried, but it failed. Has this ever happened to you financially? I had a, a buddy of mine come to me, he's like, look, you need to put some money here. This. I'm telling you, it's where you need to put your money. And I'm looking at it, and I start looking at the profit and loss margins and all these types of things, get the best information I could possibly get. And I look at him, I'm like, mm, it seems like, you know, he's right. It's trading for less than it's earning. And I'm like, huh, I think we're good to go. Put some money in there, lost all the money. Has that ever happened to you? Like, you, you try something, and after you try it, it didn't work. Has this ever happened in any sphere of life? Why? Because when man ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he made his life fall over into something of toil where it might work and it might not. But all throughout scripture, you see people discovering a different way of living. There could, could there be a people, a generation, a person, Maybe you, who finds a different way of living. David was a man like that. David, Old Testament king, was this, this man who was just flawed, yes. Perfect, no. But a worshiper. A lover of God. And this man, as a kid, would just press into God and it was amazing that as he sowed the seed of talking to God, he reaped the harvest of God talking to him. And you would see these beautiful displays of this king making a decision to humble himself and to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now here's the thing about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the book of Genesis, it was pleasant to look upon. Its fruit was to be desired. It wasn't an ugly tree. It was a beautiful tree. And Satan actually used the beauty of this tree to trick people into eating of it. And still today, like there is this huge emphasis where I think it's a, a subtle deception because the first word used to describe Satan, you know what it was? Subtle. Meaning, if you think you see him, you probably don't. He disguises himself as an angel of light. And what was his deception? Here's something that looks like it would be good to have. Like it would be good to have the knowledge of what is good and the knowledge of what is evil. Yet God is telling me not to eat of it? God is telling me that in doing this, it'll be bad? What could be bad about knowing what is bad? What could be bad about knowing what is good? It looked like that's exactly how I should live my life. That's exactly what I should do is to get as much information as possible and then make my decisions based off that information. And God says, look, you can do that, but it'll be by the sweat of your brow and it'll be through toil, but there is another way. You can come unto me. 
And you would see this man by the name of David who was uber-talented, which is always hard for uber-talented people to bow their knee to Jesus. But this man found a pathway to do it. And as a young kid, he begins to worship God and God begins to get this. Amazing. God begins to speak to him. And in one moment, he's, he's sitting in this valley and the Philistines, which was Israel's chief enemy, comes up in the field. Now, he could lean on a whole bunch of things in this moment. He could pull up the generals and be like, okay, General so-and-so, you've been leading battle for 20-some-odd years. What would you do in this situation? He could pull up Joab, like his guy who was the fighter. He's like, you're actually the one who's going to be on the front lines. What do you want to do in this battle? Uh, And he could pull up some of the soldiers and be like, hey, it's actually you guys who are risking your life. What would you do in this battle? He could begin to lean on his understanding. He could begin to lean on their understanding. He could begin to lean on their experience. He could begin to lean on his experience. He could live by information. But I wonder if there's another way. David knew of another way. That it's not just information. Man can also live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man can live by revelation and not just information. And you know what David did? He didn't do any of that. He didn't sit there and say, now let me think this through. He didn't pick up the art of war and begin to study. Okay, here's what you do in a situation like this. And let me emphasize, nothing wrong with wisdom. God gave you a brain to use it. God gave you a brain to educate it. Nothing wrong with wisdom. Here's what is wrong, though, is what do you lean on? Are Are you following through with the original temptation and only eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, leaning on information, all the while ignoring revelation? And David, he pulls aside from all of this. You know what he does? He bows his knee to God Almighty. And he asks the Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to go up? And if I do go up, will we win? The Lord said, yes, go up. And if you go up, I will surely deliver them into your hands. So David gets up with this revelation. David gets up with this word from God. David gets up with his people and he's like, I think I heard from God. (laughs) Guys, I think I heard from God. And he gets up with this revelation and makes a decision based off of revelation, not just information. And he goes up there and guess what happens? They win. But you know what happens a couple of verses later? The enemy comes back. How many of you know the enemy's persistent sometimes? And the enemy comes back. Now, David has already had experience with everything about this moment. It's the same valley. It's the same enemy. It's the same circumstance. It's the same exactly as it was versus before. And the enemy's there in the valley. They're below the valley and and kind of circling it and all these types of things. And he's like, okay, like we've got to face this enemy again. Now he could lean now, not just on everybody else's experiences. He could lean now, not just on a book that he could read about someone who went through war before. He could lean now on his own experience where he knew it worked a certain way the last time, he could lean on that again. But you know what this man does? Again, he humbles himself. He gets out of his mind. He doesn't sit back and think it through. 
he knows there is a higher way than information. There is revelation. And he humbles himself again. He gets down on his knees and he asks God, shall I go up? And if I go up, will I win? And you know what God tells him this time? Don't go up. Don't go up. If you go up that way, you will lose. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go around. Go around them. And if you go around them and come out this way, you will surely win. But don't go up the way you went before. And he went around them and he won the victory. If he would have leaned on his own information, his own past, if he would have eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he would have lost that day. He may have lost his army. He may have lost his, his right to lead the people. He may have even lost his life. But because he was leaning on revelation and not just information, he didn't lose any of that. In fact, he won. And how many of you think God wants you to win, God wants us to win, that God wants to lead us by his spirit? Now, you brought your Bibles. Let's go look at Luke chapter 5 today. Luke chapter 5, and we'll begin to wrap this up. I want to encourage you, over the next couple of weeks, we are going to teach this like I've never taught it before. We're going, by the end of this, Have you ever seen those people who go in a restaurant and they know exactly what they want? It's like, I've been here so many times, I know exactly what I want. And just order with confidence, and you're still looking at the menu thinking, what do I do with this book? But they're confident, like, order this. Uh, This is how I want you to be in your walk with God. I heard from God. I've heard from God on this. Why are you making that decision? I've heard from God. Why why are you acting that I've heard from God? That by the end of this, you're so sure that you know the Father's voice, that the voice of a stranger you will not follow. That you're so confident in not only God's ability to speak to you, but in your ability to hear and understand the leadings of God, that you can walk out and be just as a faithful follower of God's voice as David was in 2 Samuel chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, we're going to see this here in verse number 4. Jesus had taken the boat of a certain group of disciples. At this point, they weren't disciples, they were fishermen. And he's teaching all the time out of this boat. And finally, he's done teaching and he wants to bless the people who allowed him to use his boat. So he looks at them in Luke chapter 5 and verse number 4. And when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, we know him as Peter, Launch out into the deep and let your net down for a drought. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have, if you've got a pen or highlighter or something like that, underline this in your, your, your scripture. We have toiled all night and we have taken in nothing. Now let's just stop right here. This is the picture perfect example of the knowledge of good and evil. Here you have fishermen who are sons of fishermen. They are in a family business. They've been fishing this lake for as long as they can remember. Ever since they were little boys, they had had so much experience with this lake, and not just their own experience, but the generations of experience that came before them. 
And they had a particular day in business where they took all of the experience that in the past had worked before, used that same knowledge of fish at night, fish here, fish in these spots, fish here, 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 used this type of thing, went out there, and on some days, I'm sure it was great, but there were other days where you can fish all night and catch absolutely nothing, even with all the information you may have. And you know what it is? The Bible calls it toil. We didn't just work, we toiled. We didn't just work, we got flat out exhausted. We didn't just, we didn't just work, we fished all night and caught absolutely nothing. At the, the low end, it's exhausting. At the high end, it's dangerous. Because when it's not your hobby to fish, it's your occupation to fish, you better catch some fish sooner rather than later. Or all of you are gonna be up a creek without a paddle. They have to catch fish. And they have used all the information that you could have trying to do it. And not only did they not catch anything, they worked with the information they had and it didn't help a thing. And all of a sudden, Jesus gets in the story. And instead of giving more information, he begins to give revelation. And watch what happens here in verse five. Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have told all night. We've taken in nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, underline that, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fish, so much so that their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, their business partners, which were on the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Notice, he fell down like face to the ground at Jesus' feet. And said, depart from me, O Lord, for I'm a sinful man. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, the drought of fishes which they had taken. In Genesis, God comes to man, and he's like, of all the trees, you can eat of them. But this one, the knowledge of the good and evil, I don't want you to eat of that. And I know it's attractive. I know it looks good. I know it looks like it's to be desired of, but I'm telling you, it'll get you nothing but trouble. And if you eat of this tree, you will work, and it will be the sweat of your brow. You will work to feed your family and make headway in life. Of course, man ate from it. He broke that boundary. And you see him begin to die. That there would be pockets of people throughout the Old Testament who would begin to hear from God. Not everybody, but pockets. You'd have entire priests in 1 Samuel, entire priests in Eli's home, so worldly that you couldn't distinguish the church from the world. And you know what happened? The word of the Lord was rare. They're eating of that tree all over again. But a little boy in Samuel would press into God. And through pressing into God, heaven opened up and God began to speak. And you'd see that all throughout Scripture. You'd see a prophet by the name of like Jeremiah who would come into a nation of people who had a hard heart. And he began to preach to them and say, here's what God is saying. And so many times they would not listen. So much so that he wrote another book called Lamentations where he did nothing but weep at a nation of people who would not listen to God. 
Then you have the book of Malachi, which is the last book of your Bible. And did you know that between Malachi and Matthew, over 400 years pass without one recorded person hearing from God? A world living by information and not revelation. And then Jesus steps on the scene saying things like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and if you hear me, you hear the Father. And he steps into the life of fishermen who have fished all night using the best information they had and caught absolutely nothing, toiling the whole way. And he said, could it be that I could bring something back to you that humanity has lost? Could it be that now you begin doing something even when it doesn't make sense, but you're doing it at my word? And someone asked you, why are you getting that boat? Because God said to. Why, why are you fishing out there? Because God said to. But you just washed all your nets. I know, but God said, take it out into the deep. Wait, but you just, you worked all night and you caught nothing. Can't you just see the fish aren't biting in this season? But God said, nevertheless, at your word. And they begin to operate by revelation, reclaiming that part of man that Adam forsook years ago laying down a heart of stone that could not be touched by God and putting in a heart of flesh that can now hear and discern the ways of our God. And all of a sudden, he lives and operates by this revelation, and it changes everything. Now, I believe if you could learn to be led by the Spirit of God, you would have it made. I believe if you begin making choices on where to live, who to marry, what to do with children, what to do with finances, how to pastor a church, how to reach people. Like if we could learn how to be led by the Spirit of God, I think we would have it made. I think we would see results like Peter saw on that day where we just fall down on our knees and be like, oh my gosh, I am tasting the goodness of God in the land of the living. If we could learn to live by revelation and not just information. But here's what I love about this story. And this is what I want to emphasize in this series. Is God became real to Peter. You know what I'm seeing right now? I'm seeing a, a nation that knows God, but doesn't really know him. People who say they know him, but don't really walk with him. People who listen to him teach and preach and think that's good teaching. That's good preaching, but don't really have an intimate relationship with them. Because it wasn't until Peter heard directly from God and went out and acted on it where he's like, oh my gosh, you are God. And I want that for you. What if our, 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 our Christian testimony was littered with stories where we heard from God? What if your Christian testimony was littered with stories where you heard from God, where instead of just following good doctrine like the Pharisees, you began to know Jesus in spirit and in truth? A couple of months ago, I was praying, and I, I was just, I can't even remember what I was praying for. I think I was just like fellowshipping with God and having this moment. And all of a sudden, God spoke to me. And when I say God spoke to me, I don't mean like a thundercloud, you know, and, and lightning flashed outside the room and there was like this open vision. I just mean like an impression. And I knew, I knew by revelation, I knew that there was this guy that I just met a couple of weeks ago. I barely knew his name. 
I have in my phone, like in contacts, descriptions, like James, the guy who fixes lights. <laughs> so it kind of helps me put a name with a face. So like I had him in my phone as this with his, you know, description of what he does. And I had it on my heart to text him right then at that moment that I was praying and the Lord told me to give him $625. Right then. And I'm like, ah, it seems a little weird. And I'm, I'm there kind of debating that. And I ran through a series of filters. I'm like, is that just me? And it's like, do I want to be $625 poor? Nope, can't be just me. Could that be, you know, the devil? No, it couldn't be the devil. I'm like, that's got to be God. I couldn't shake it. It wasn't a, a voice. It was a knowing. But I knew it was God. I knew it was God. John put it this way. You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. That word unction means a rubbing. That word unction means like there's just, there's a pressing there. It, it literally means to like take a piece of leather and to apply an ointment and rub it in. Just a, a rubbing, a knowing, a sensation. Like in, in my heart, I just had this rubbing, this knowing. Do it now. And so I pull out my phone and I'm like, Hey, man, I know we just met a couple of weeks ago, but I was just praying, and I think I heard from God to give you $625. This is not from me. This is from God. And I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you he heard you. And that's all I put. $625, not from me, from God. And I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you he heard you. My phone rings. Oh, man, you need this in your Christianity. God becoming real to us. My phone rings. I pick it up on the other end. It's this guy. He's like, are you serious right now? I'm like, serious as I can be. He's like, bro, you have no idea how weirded out I am right now. That's what he said. You have no idea how weirded out I am right now. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I just got off my knees, man. A relative in his life had passed away. This relative was incredibly kind of close to God. And in his life, he's like, I don't know how someone who could be that close to God could leave before his time. And he had begun to walk away from his faith, walk back from his commitment to God. And he had come to this place where he told the Lord. That night, he's on his knees praying. And he said, Father, you know I'm trying to get into this apartment and they're asking for the first month up front. And he's like, I just need a sign. Like, I just need something that lets me know you hear me. That lets me know you're real like something. He said, I'm asking you for that money. I'm asking you, Father, for 625 dollars. 
What if we could believe Jesus when he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? Somebody says, well, that's talking about scripture. This wasn't written yet. John hadn't written John yet. Mark hadn't written Mark yet. Luke hadn't written the book of Acts. Paul wasn't even saved when Jesus said that and written the epistles. He's not talking about just eating and consuming this. Yes, we need this. But your heart was designed for revelation. Your heart was designed to hear from God. Your heart was designed to take in the voice of your Father. Your heart was designed to feed off that voice, to live off that voice, to make decisions off that voice, to raise our kids based off of what that voice is telling us. And somebody says, is it available to everyone or is that just like for Davids and Peters and pastors and all these types of things? I'll close with this scripture, Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. Children of God should be led by the Spirit of God. Children of God should be led by the Spirit of God. Children of God should be led by the Son of God. If you have made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you are bought with a price you are a child from God and children of God should be, ought to be are supposed to be led by the spirit of God and I'm telling you in this series we're going to teach you how how to be led by the spirit of God how to increase your sensitivity to the voice of God how to have God's voice more real to you than the sound of your own voice how to know the difference between is that just me or is that God how to know the difference between is that my head or is that my heart how to know the difference between all of those things where you can move from I think I heard from God over into I heard from God I heard from God Because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of Almighty God. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that in all of our lives and in all of our hearts that we will be sensitive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that at all times and in all things, you guide us with your spirit. Heads bowed, eyes closed, all over this place, all over the world. Even if you're watching this online, it's okay right now in this moment to just bow your head and close your eyes along with us. And I I just sense in my heart that there are some sons of God, specifically sons of God. And I know when, when... They use that word in the book of Romans. It's talking about children and not just men. But I really feel like right now in my heart, there are some young men who are watching this and even some young men in this very room today. That the voice of the Holy Spirit is calling you to make a greater decision and consecration to the Lord your God. To come out of like a routine Christianity, a show Christianity, a Pharisee-type Christianity where it's dressed up for the temple and getting ready for the temple, but on the inside you know something in your life needs to bow its knee and consecrate to the voice of Jesus. And I just sense like 
Today is your day, your moment for deep consecration to the voice of Jesus. And if you're watching online or in this room and you, and you say, Pastor Joel, that's me. Today, what I want to do is I want to reclaim my sonship. I, I want to reclaim my, my childhood. I, I want to come and I want to be like David and say, God, I know I've been leaning on my own, own understanding. And today, Father, for the first time in a minute, I want to acknowledge you in all my ways. I want you to direct my past. I want you to direct my course. I want you to be the king of my life. And if you're here today and that's you, every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one's looking around. If you're here and you want to make that commitment to Jesus today, if you're here and you want to give your life back into the hands of Jesus today, if you're watching online and you want to give your, your, your life back to Jesus today, right there where you're at and in this room, every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, I just want you to lift your hands up and surrender today. It's all I'm going to ask you to do. Hands going up. Anybody else? Hands going up. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Even in your living room, it's okay to lift your hands. Why? It's not for the preacher to see, it's for the Lord God to see. It's for your heavenly Father to see an act of submission to Him. Now, all over this place and online, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, today, Lord Jesus, I give you my life, I give you my heart, I give you my devotion, I give you my life. And I thank you, Father, I am not my mistakes. I am not my sins. I am not my failures. I am a child of God. And Father, I ask for your Holy Spirit to lead me, to guide me, to instruct me, and to let me live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I say boldly, Father, my best days start right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we give it up for everybody who made a decision today in the room, online, wherever you are?